0: This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss the random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Hey everybody, just before this episode starts, We just wanted to let you know that we have switched platforms. We were on Spreaker, but we have moved over to Anchor now. So all of our information will be updated and everything, so that way you guys can go straight to Anchor or to Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And today we are going to talk about all things cleansings and such. And what I mean by cleansings and such is there's such a wide spectrum of how cleansings can be done and we're going to touch bases on a few little bits and pieces here and there and tell you our stories on cleansings and everything like that. Now with this particular episode we have a special guest with us today. Now you may remember her from episode 5 part 2 when we talked about abilities. Today we have Diana with us. How's it going today, Diana? Good. Good, I'm glad to hear. So first off, before we get started, I wanted to talk to you guys about that we switched over to Anchor instead of using Spreaker. We still are going to be using Spreaker for our newest episodes, but from here on out, if you want to hear episode one and on, you're going to have to go over to Anchor. And the link for that will be in the description of this particular podcast. And furthermore, if you are enjoying this podcast and you enjoy listening to us and talk about our paranormal journeys, our history, stories, anything like that, just make sure you share this with all of your friends on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine yards. The more that you share these episodes, the more people can find us and more content we'll be able to create for you guys in the future so for cleansings now this is going to be a very in-depth episode we're going to be talking about different things in regards to cleansings we're going to be talking about the things that we use stories stuff like that now with our guest diana she has the most experience out of all of us She's been there, she's done it, she's had to throw together some concoction to make it work against any type of malicious demonic entity or anything like that. So David and I both thought that she would be the best person to have on this particular episode. Now depending on how much we talk about on this episode will depend on if we're going to be having a very long episode or splitting this up into two to three episodes. So, we'll just go with the flow and see how everything goes. So, for our first topic, we're going to talk about the different types of cleansings and how they are similar and how they are different from each other. So, for example, spiritual, non-denominational, religious, stuff like that. Now, Diana, with your background, with you being religious at one point in time and now that you're spiritual, how do you feel that that when cleansing, does that impact or does that hinder your performance?
1: Um, I it kinda impacts it because I get it from both sides. Like I understand what people think with the whole religious thing, but I'm more open to now it needs to be spiritual, but you have to you have to have both to make the religious people content, but pacify the spiritual side of things too because they're just like people think they're the same but they're different they're not identical
2: well the question is is most people when they think you know who are religious side and you're coming in to cleanse or whatever term you use they think oh you're gonna come in here and exercise right exercise the demons in my house
1: right that's what a lot of people think
2: (laughs) yeah so you gotta know we actually rarely if never, use holy water or anything like that. There's a lot of stuff that we can use that's natural to actually cleanse. Right. And
0: what's the difference between like a spiritual cleansing versus a non-denominational cleansing versus a religious cleansing? What would be the difference between all three of those?
1: So, the religious ones are where if you're, you would have a priest or a bishop or rabbi whatever, you're Religious leader is they would come in and do the blessing that they would perform and it would just be Them like you wouldn't take part in that cleanse. It's a prayer or a ritual that they perform Um, the non-denominational we come in and it's just more of a Take on nature itself blessing someplace with just love with feelings versus God and things like that You don't take that into the non-denominational ones spirituals kind of along the same lines Mm
0: -hmm. so would you say certain religions out there would it be more a religious type cleansing or do they do more of a spiritual type cleansing with some of the religions
1: I think most of them are just religious Mm -hmm. because each religion has their own thing that they do their own like whether it's incense for one religion or just purely prayer for another religion. They stick to that. They don't intermingle with other things.
2: I got a question. When some people, when they do have this uh, happening in their home and they're taught to pray and it'll go away and it doesn't, why do you think that's the case?
1: Because what if the entity that they're dealing with doesn't believe in prayer, doesn't believe in God? It, it might have an effect for you because that's what you believe in but who's to say That that's going to have power over something that doesn't believe in what you're doing anyway You know, what I mean like if you have a Particular blessing and you're praying to God for this to go away and leave you But if what it is doesn't believe in God it doesn't fear God Or whatever your spiritual belief is you have to take it at a different level
2: Yeah, I wonder why that is, because a lot of people who are in the religious sense would be like, well, I know God's real, why isn't he helping me? And it will end up making the person feel like that uh, God doesn't care about them. So it's very interesting on why, you know, if God, and we're using hypotheticals here, uh, is real, why he wouldn't help the person that's asking for help.
1: I think he's trying to help them feel better about it. You know, like he'll give the person... They'll give them reassurance reassurance and you'll comfort, be fine yeah,
2: even though I actually probably can't touch
1: them. Yeah, somehow we'll find an answer for you. Whether it be this is going to work or you're going to find someone else that can come in and help. But I think he's... I mean, he helps people, sure. Reassurance and things like that. But I think that's just a different level when you get things that don't believe, you know... Would so would care? you
2: say that the the spirit world is an actual place where both uh if heaven and hell is real that both God and the devil can't touch spirits and that's why you see a lot of spirits in the spirit world because they're afraid to go to either side
1: I think they yeah they don't know we well, don't know what's there you mean you've been taught that there's heaven and hell so right. if you've done something bad you, you you know what if you're afraid of judgment what if you oh my gosh I don't want to go to hell so you won't You won't cross to one side. You don't want to face judgment. So the spirit
2: world's like the neutral zone.
1: Yeah. I mean, you face judgment here. You're not going to move on and get it someplace else. So you just kind of hang out.
2: It's very interesting. Because, I mean, when we, or I should say you mostly, cross over spirits, you're like kind of stepping into that neutral zone and showing them that this is the direction to go so you can move on.
1: Yep, yeah, but it's ultimately the spirit's decision. You know? Right, it's right, they, yeah, you can't they, force they, them. Yeah, right, you just kind of have to guide them and try to reassure them that I'm sure there's forgiveness, there's love up there, family, things like that, but it's their decision, so you just kind of have to give them a gentle nudge.
2: Sorry, I was just... It's very interesting uh, and a hard topic to talk about when it comes to religion, but I very much do enjoy talking about religion even though I don't particularly practice any type of religion because I like to get uh, what other people's beliefs are and what they think and just add it in a pile uh, of knowledge that I can possibly use to try to figure out answers without going straight into, uh, you know, religion as in like, well, god is real then everything he can fix everything you know and and in some cases we don't know that's true right so i I just want to try to figure out using everyone's religious uh ideas
0: yeah because you've even said before diana that if the people that live in the household is for example mormon And they call in a bishop to do a priesthood blessing on the house and it ends up not working. And that's because the spirit itself is not Mormon. And would you say that carries on to all the other religions too, like the Catholics, Jewish religion, um, Islam, stuff like that?
1: I do. I think it does because if you think about it, if you're not that particular religion and you say you don't believe in that religion, is a blessing going to have any effect on you? If, you know no it's not it's just kind of a smoke screen in a sense for you it's you know it's there but it's not stopping you
0: yeah but then with exorcisms if a exorcism is being performed on a particular individual that wouldn't be from the same religion would the exorcism still work as well
1: i mean it could because of the herbs and the different things that they use in them it's more of a natural That kind of, I mean, nature affects everybody, irregardless of what religion you are. You can't, you can't, even if you're atheist, you can't be on earth and not have nature. It's just how it is.
2: Well, wouldn't it be easier using religion to clear uh, an attachment from a person if the person believes in that religion because you're kind of feeding the person that's being affected more power to force the spirit itself out? Rather than just you saying words and boom, it's gone. You're like giving power to the person who's being affected.
1: Yeah, I mean, they need they need to have strength within themselves to push that entity, you know, that attachment out of them. But, you know, is it going to work? Some of them are scared of, oh my gosh, you know. Yeah, if, if this doesn't super, work, then it's stronger yeah, than
2: God sort of thing, right?
1: Exactly. Or, you know, what if my, I'm so religious and what if anyone finds out that this, you know, I don't know, so... that kind of plays they'll be shunned because they
2: were quote-unquote uh being haunted so that means gods turn their back on them or something
1: yes yep gotcha
0: yeah and it definitely makes sense that's why i wanted to bring light to that because during an exorcism they're using different types of herbs and remedies to expel that attachment and or possession And when you're doing, like, a priesthood blessing and everything like that, it just, it doesn't work nine times out of ten unless the spirit is from that same religion. But if that spirit was from the same religion, why would they be on this playing field tormenting the people that are in this house? You know what I mean? Right. So that's why I wanted to bring light to that. Now, I do know that some religions out there use incense as part of their ritual and everything, and we use incense for cleansings as well now would that be more considered of like a spiritual non-denominational type thing or would you consider that a religious thing
2: both depending on how you
0: use it
1: yeah i was gonna say both it's it's your intent i mean everything with cleansing is based on your intent it can either work or it won't just it's how you want it to be and it depends on what you burn you know if you're burning lavender or something, then that's not necessarily religious. But if you're burning frankincense, then that goes back to, you know, most religious beliefs have something to do with frankincense. So,
0: so the reality is, is that there's certain aspects that are similar, but they're
2: vastly different from each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Okay. Um, so when we go on... Uh, investigation to someone's house obviously they call us because it's haunted and besides the fact if they request us to do a cleansing uh what would qualify or you know some signs that you would see or hear that a person the house or the land would need a cleansing what what are some of the signs when you go in there and they tell you they're like yeah you probably we should probably cleanse this
1: uh, to me it's always if it's if there's a child involved always cleanse I mean you don't want to sit and play around and, and give a spirit oh well maybe we can compromise and you'll leave if there's a child involved no it needs to be taken care of if it's causing physical harm to someone whether it's it needs a real child be, or not a real child right it needs to be you know and if the the spirit's causing physical harm that needs to be addressed right away you know just cleanse it so. I mean, you can, there's, it depends on what the homeowner wants as well. Right, Some of them right. just want to be able to set boundaries and communicate with that spirit and that's okay. Yeah. But if they don't want it, then just, that's, that's when it's time to give them their space back.
2: Well, it's pretty, I think it's pretty easy to convince someone when you start telling them all the signs, you know, and things are happening and like things are breaking stuff's affecting their sleep you're like yeah i mean we could probably help you if we do a cleansing i mean why would someone say no to the, uh, someone helping them fix lot li- stuff in their life right
1: well yeah although i have had people tell me no because the longer they have attachments the more comfortable they are with them and they don't want them to leave so, so they feel
2: like if we get rid of it now their life has like a hole in it
1: yes they have an empty void or they're afraid you'll get rid of their spirit guides if you cleanse or you'll they will get rid of the loved ones in their lives that they've lost. Even if
2: you tell them you can pick between?
1: <laughs> yeah, there's still I mean, still that fear because some people have the idea that if I'm doing a cleanse, I'm getting rid of everything. Good, bad, everything. And that's not hmm. what we do.
0: Yeah, because that's a huge misconception of that. I mean, what we're doing to cleansing we're targeting the ones that are causing the chaos, not the ones that are trying to protect you. But they're most negative. people don't realize that.
2: Right. A lot, lot of the stuff that we use is literally to affect negative things, not positive things. So if your spirit guides are positive, if your family members are positive uh, entities or beings, then they shouldn't be affected. Exactly. If anything, it gives them more power to for
0: to protect you during the cleansing.
1: Right. Yes, I just think that they don't. When they ask you what you're using, they don't. People don't realize how much training and Research goes into everything that we use, so we we know, we know what to use to make things come out right.
0: Exactly. And that's not using dragon's blood, right?
1: No, no, no. Please, no. (laughs)
0: this is how many cleansings we've done so far where they've referenced dragon's blood and it's
2: like no don't use that
1: and they're like yeah after I started burning it things got worse y- y- yes That's, you think <laughs> <something> <laughs> okay. so.
2: So, so PSA tell people why it's bad and why people ch- think it's good
1: uh, because I mean it smells really great you know and so people assume it's a good thing to use but it's not it just reflects on the evil gives it more power
2: do we know why or is it just something that you've seen people use enough and it just makes things worse?
1: It, yeah. I've just seen it. People, you know, you'll talk to them on what have you used, oh I've used Dragon's Blood and it got worse. Um, so you've just more, seen that so
2: many times where you just yeah, kind of re- yeah, cataloged just repeats. it.
1: Yep. It just seems to repeat itself.
2: I, I wonder why. That'd be an interesting thing to to look I... into more.
1: I don't know, you know, I think if you don't have anything in your house, like nothing at all, and you know your house is clean, then it's okay to use because it can, as you as an individual, it can help you. Right. But there's so, just certain so spirits. I'm not Pre-haunted
2: saying, house, using it, it's fine. But if you think that your house is potentially haunted and you're like, well, I should smudge or clear my house, probably don't use that one just in
1: case. Yeah, don't use that just in case because you never know.
2: Okay. Cause, yeah, I mean... I've heard you guys talk about it, and I'm like, oh, I wonder why. And I haven't, like, actually asked you guys and been like, well, what's the real reason? Because it's very interesting that something could make things worse. So I'm just curious what, like, ingredients or something that's in it that could potentially make it worse.
1: Yeah, it's, it well, and it could be when it's heated. There's other herbs out there that when you burn it, it makes it worse. If You, you can use it in its regular form, but once you've added heat to it, it makes negative energy intensify.
0: Like cayenne?
1: Cayenne's good. It's like coriander you don't want to burn, fennel you don't want to burn, things like that.
2: Hmm. I wonder why when you introduce the heat element that it has the opposite effect of what you
1: want. I don't know. I think it just breaks it down in a different form
2: maybe because you're maybe when you start burning it you're losing what's in it naturally that's what's helping so what you have left over doesn't do nothing but just disperse energy in the air maybe
1: yeah it's possible
2: but i mean the biggest thing when it comes to us straight out saying yeah we should probably cleanse your house is uh anytime we come into potential signs of any elementals yeah that's which, yeah which just quite frequent in our line for some reason
0: more so than before Uh, so diana with the qualifying of the cleansing and everything now if it's not the client that's telling us to cleanse them but we can physically feel that when we walk onto the property so for example they have just a little corner lot like david does mm-hmm. and you step foot onto that property from the road to the property and there's a drastic change in the energy and everything on the land itself and as you proceed closer to the house and into the house it just seems to be super extreme but the clients don't seem to be feeling it or they might be oblivious to it what are some of the things that you would tell the client like hey you really should do the cleansing because of so and because of this and this
1: um, so a lot of times what I would tell them is, here's the thing, you are used to it, you've become acclimated to what this is, and this is problematic because somebody from the outside coming in shouldn't feel this heaviness, they shouldn't feel the, you know, do I run, do I stay, what kind, type of situation, and then you usually can start getting with them and breaking down like, well, how, when's the last time you felt differently? when you know do you feel sad and then they start thinking about it and realize yeah maybe there is something that they're used to and then at that point you say just you know let me let me cleanse and let's see if it makes a difference if not no harm done if it does make a difference then awesome yeah so it's be- just kind best of a case
2: tr- scenario everything turns out great and your life is better worst case scenario i came in here did some stuff and then everything's exactly the everything's same Everything's the same and it doesn't matter to you're you you're not way. you did not lose anything right i mean there's few occasions where we do stuff where it makes it worse but sometimes you know you do one little thing that you mess up one little tiny thing and it didn't quite fix the problem so we had to go back and rectify it that's different because we'll come back right but sometimes it's it's tough because we can only do so much Uh, other people also have to they have to put in the effort
1: exactly You know, we can do what we need to, but it's it's the homeowner has to take a big part in it as well.
2: Which is another question. So, what do you do with a person who has an attachment and they don't want you to clear it off of them because they don't think they have an attachment, even though you know they do?
1: It's you just do the best you can in that situation. Just
2: trying to convince them, and if they say no, it's their life. You kind of have to just walk away, even though in your heart you're like, this isn't right, but it's their life and you kind of have to respect their wishes
1: exactly it's not i'm not gonna go hold down a you know six foot man and i'm gonna do this whether you like it or not
2: grab the rope right (laughs) exercise this man
1: (laughs) whether he likes it or not we could time to the chair (laughs) exactly so yeah you have to that's tough
2: i mean i have you come across that scenario i have i have and you just had to walk away? You just
1: kind of walk away and then, you know, they keep calling and, hey, I've still got this issue and, yeah, I realize that, but until you're ready to accept and to let me help you, I can't help your situation, right. you know. As long as you have the attachment, it's your house is going to be the same. I can't make it better.
0: Now, let's say, Diana, the property itself, now each area of like the United States of the world is going to be completely different. Now over here on the western side of the United States a lot of these uh, properties have been built on native land or native burial grounds or some sort of a massacre site that happened prior to white man actually coming over here and when people start building on these particular parcels of land it can definitely stir some shit up and cause some chaos within that area itself. Now, how can a person know without the government or anybody actually mentioning any of this that they're building a house on some sort of sacred land? And and if that's the case, how can someone ratify that so that way they can actually live peacefully within their house once it's built?
1: I mean, to be honest, if you're like here in Utah, you can just pretty much assume that you're building on native land. You don't have to study it, but it's just the way it feels. Like it feels different. The land is not, you know, most people have been different places and they do a comparison and then like something just isn't right. Then you go in and they bring, you know, that's when sensitives, mediums can come in and walk the property and find those spots that are off, you know, whether they're unbalanced or this, and then that's when you can do a property cleanse versus a home cleanse. If they haven't built yet, you can cleanse that property.
2: Yeah, because it's quite actually often where people start building new ground and they discover that, you know, this was a prompt to burial site, you know, then they just exhume the the bones and stuff and they relocate it to a marked, marked um, grave area site that's sanctioned by the state and then they just continue building
1: I mean, exactly
2: really not much you can do at that point
0: yeah because um, there's been a lot of times in the past where that has happened in fact i remember reading something on lines of i don't know if you saw this diane or not but apparently udot decided to build a freeway on top of an indian burial site Something like that. Did you hear about that?
1: I didn't, but it doesn't surprise me.
0: And then I guess apparently where shit's been happening in that particular area of that freeway, a bunch of accidents and everything like that. And that really kind of ties into to what we were just talking about. But some of these uh, houses that have been sitting on Indian barrel grounds for, for at least 50 plus years, you know, how you know I guess the, the question is like if you've been living with it for this long would you feel that the attachment is so great that this is the new normal and there's no point in cleansing by now
1: uh I think people do because it's just this is this is the normal you know it's nothing different and it's sometimes not until they somebody new is brought into their life or their situation that Tells them, you know, this isn't quite right. There's something not okay with this. And if the home is handed down, it's a generational thing. You know, oh, it's, it's, we just, don't worry about it. It's fine.
2: It's Part of the house.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's always been this way. Don't worry about it.
2: Well, what's the longest, well, I say, what cleanse have you done where it's been, they've been dealing with it the longest?
1: Uh well, I did a third generation house. So you got to figure three generations. I went in right. and the girl was like, Oh, well, my dad growing up had the same thing, and his so dad. So potentially had the same thing.
2: like 200 years.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. And it was an yeah. Indian burial site, a massacre site that we went in and was But did able you to... fix it? We did. We fixed it.
2: So potentially, it, it doesn't matter how long a person has dealt with it, there's a potential to fix it
1: there's always a the potential to fix it because you don't know it, you know, those spirits, they just need somebody to come along with the right thing for them to help them.
2: Right. So yeah, you, people, you know, don't want to be like, well, I've dealt with it my whole life. I mean, there's no point trying to get rid of it now, whether, you know, they don't know if their life could be better until they get rid of it. Exactly. Now that leads us into our next
0: topic, which is Attachments. Now, you've been doing this a hell of a lot longer than both David and I have. How do people with abilities can tell in some of the ways that they have an attachment, like either a person, the land, the house, an item, stuff like that? Can you explain how someone with abilities can just tell?
1: Um, you look, you just have to look at it, it's, it sometimes has a different glow to it or a different look. You can feel the vibration, the energy resonates differently than it should. Like if you're around a particular person, you might get goosebumps and, you know, they just, there's something about them that you just know isn't right, they vibrate in a different manner.
2: So for me, I think it's easier to me to tell attachments on objects versus people because I have a problem with, you know, everybody, I, people I meet. I'm always like, uh, I think all people are weird anyway. So for me, it's harder <laughs> to tell. But uh, with an object, sometimes it takes me, I have to like feel it, which I know is, is sketch because I, you don't want touch it because if you touch it, then ah, now you're going to get affected, right? Right. But most of the time, I, I can look at something and be like, oh, something's weird, which short story time, we did a case where we were going to do a, an object location, and we're dealing with it. And then come to find out, I was walking in the room, and I noticed this big thing standing there. And I was like, that's been here this whole time. And I felt like it was like hiding, even though it was there plain sight. I never like looked at it the entire time, but then just brushing it because I had to walk by it between that and the couch a little space to get to it I kind of for some reason felt something I looked down like there's something with this this cabinet here and then once I pointed it out everyone was like oh yeah I could, they can everyone could feel it everyone can sense it and then that's when things kind of shifted that like the spirit attached to it was hiding and then once I pointed it out it was out in the open it did not like that whatsoever
1: no you gave away its hiding place
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, I mean, that, that's very, it's very interesting and different when it comes to objects. I don't know why I think it's easier to tell on objects. But that's really the only I can do. I can't really tell much else when it comes to uh, people. Because I guess I'm not good with people.
1: Well, and I think if you're more uh, on the empathic side, you sense more from the people. Like, you know there's just something not quite right with that particular person. hmm Yes. Whether it's the way they don't make eye contact with you or when they're speaking they're always like kind of looking down at the ground for whatever purpose. Then you can kind of start to tell. It's a little bit off.
0: Yeah. And with me, I get the tingling sensation. And, and depending on the person's attachment, it could sway my mood. And Diana, you've seen my mood change drastically if I'm around Ooh, yeah. someone that has an attachment. There's been a few clients where it's changed drastically, like the one that we were dealing with last night. Oh, yeah. That changed both of our moods drastically, but you could, I don't know, it's, it's, it's weird, like... Because I could feel people's energy, same with Diana. David, not so much, but I'm sure in due time he can. But there's certain energies that just will resonate with you and not resonate with you, and nine times out of ten, those people that have an attachment, it does not resonate with you whatsoever. Unless, you know, you dabble in the, the extreme dark stuff, then of course that's going to tickle your fancy. And I know a few people that are like that. But for me, it's, you know, it's not like I'm bipolar or anything. It's just it's a drastic mood swing change because of that energy resonating off of that person. I get tingly. But, when it comes to items, I feel like I have a keen eye on it and all I have to do is just look at it and then I can start feeling it. Now, I tend to have a bad squirrel moment and Diana knows this all too well where I just start grabbing things, especially haunted objects and then ends up kicking me in the ass later on down the road. (laughs) I've gotten to the point where I can get close to it but not physically touching it to tell that it has an attachment. There's been a time or two where I'll be at the thrift store and I'll walk by the porcelain dolls, which I like porcelain dolls. I think they're unique, but they're also great vessels for, for spirits to attach to. And whenever I do find a porcelain doll that has an attachment to it, I immediately buy it so that way it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. But I could just stick my hand out and I can feel that there's energy right there. And the closer I get to it, the more extreme it gets to the point where it's not just my arm that's buzzing and tingly it's my whole entire body from the tip of my head down to my toes and that's how i know
1: right it's almost it's the same as like if people say oh you're picking a stone put your hand over it, and whichever one calls to you it's the same type of a thing
0: Mm -hmm. and i haven't really had much success with stones except for the stones that you've given me because i feel like you have a better eye and a better feel for them But I can tell whatever stones you give me, they're the perfect match because it's pretty much instantaneous. But like yesterday, I walked into Bryce's rock shop and was just kind of feeling around the stones and everything. And I realized that I was getting like a sensory overload. Like I had Whitney uh, touch my back and everything. And she's like, yeah, you're like super hot right now. And I was like, yeah, because I'm like, I feel like I'm on crack right now. like. It, everything is just buzzing. It's like a sensory overload to me. So I feel like I'm not there quite yet when it comes to stones. Except for, you know, ones we find at graveyards.
1: Oh, yeah, those are, awesome. yeah those are awesome.
2: <laughs> well, I just did that I'm concept that. with uh, Alyssa, one of our team members, uh, the other day where... Uh, she was getting affected and I just grabbed my box and I said and it was dark she couldn't even see I said just put your hand in here and grab whatever one feels good she pulls it out and then later I'm like which one did you grab she showed me and it was uh, uh, amethyst and I was like yeah that makes sense yeah you know it's what a good she choice grabbed. yeah I was like that's good and she, she honestly didn't even know what she was grabbing because she couldn't see so I'm like that's good and it was tiny too like there was tons of other stones of different sizes she grabbed one that was you know pretty small size size of like a penny
0: yeah And then in regards to what I was talking about there's certain individuals where you can clearly see like their aura and everything and the people that tend to have attachments their aura is either lack thereof or it's like a dark in color like a dark red or a black or anything like that and have you seen that before Diana?
1: I have, or it's a really cloudy. It's it like a muted out color of what they originally are, and that's kind of I think how you can tell the intensity of their attachment. Uh-uh. Uh, but yeah, I've seen that. You know, people come in and you you've known them from before maybe, and you've met up with them years later, and you're like, whoa, you are not. Whoa, something's wrong, and then they start telling you, oh well, I did this and that, and oh, it makes sense. You have an attachment now.
2: Yeah i do not see auras that is one thing i cannot do and it doesn't bother me yet yeah
0: i mean it it can be a blessing and then it can be difficult at the same time i think it's it helps more especially when you're in the paranormal and you're doing cleansings and taking out attachments and everything i think that helps to a point wouldn't you say
1: it does but then it kind of is bad because then when people know you can do it, it's almost like they take advantage. They're like, oh, what color is this? What color, you know? Uh-huh. You're like, don't overuse it. Just let it be used for what it needs to be.
0: Yeah. The attention seekers are the ones that are trying to to prove a point, would you, would
1: you say? Yeah, I agree
0: 100%. So when it comes to attachments, regardless, well, let's start with like a, the land for its for example so if there's an attachment for the land what are some of the things you like to do to try to rid that attachment off the land
1: Um, for starters I try to find out why the spirit is attached to the land is it did they die there did they live there what's their connection once you can find the connection then you can start figuring out what you need to do to rectify the situation and help them out usually you know it's the people that are gonna build here, they're gonna take care of it, they're gonna make it their home, they're gonna love the land. What can I do to help you? And it's sometimes it's as simple as that. Other times, you know, they may have met a horrible demise and you have to help them get over the fact that that was then and this is now. That it's two completely different time realms. And then you can start, you know, then that's when you know, maybe I need to use this particular herb mixed with this and put it here to help take care of this situation.
2: Uh Well, I think there's two different types of land. There's uh, land where they can enter your house and be on the land, and then I think there's cases where we've done where they're just on the land and they can't enter the house. Right. Right. But they, I mean, they affect from the outside, but I mean, they're like just around the land.
1: Yeah, and I think part of that too is, you know, the ones that can't enter your home, perhaps your home wasn't there when they were. It's a different thing, they don't understand, so they're not gonna go into it. But the land is theirs, or they're like, this isn't supposed to be here. And so they're angry that something is on their piece of land that doesn't belong there.
2: Well, what I think we dealt with, uh, a while ago was where there were spirits on the land, and then there were spirits in the home. And the spirits, you know, in the home were the ones who built the home, and they're still with the home. And they were kind of keeping the spirits outside out because it's like a human saying, "This is my house; you can't come in." Yes. So it was like spirits on spirit action, <laughs> like they were yeah. stopping them Nying. entering their their home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then there's the unhuman-like entities, like uh, from Native American culture and, and everything like that, that we've dealt with as well, particularly down in central Utah, when we were dealing with that wendigo that was on the outside. Now when it comes to those particular creatures, are they bound to that particular land or do they travel and then just pick the land that
2: they want to stick around? I think it, it's a victim to victim basis when it comes to Wendigos. I think it's not, they're not specifically tied anywhere. It's more, they're going, traveling, and then they come across uh, an easy target, sort of. And then they just, until that target's done, and then they just move on until they can find the next easy target.
1: I agree with David on
0: that. And would you say that, that would be the same with Skinwalkers? <sighs> I am not very Uh, first in skinwalkers
1: yes and no i mean they do they will travel there they tend to be in one area more hot and heavily because of their creation the way that they were brought forth but there's nothing that says they can't move you know they're not bound to one particular place
0: yeah because there's been sightings of skinwalkers even as far north as box elder county and right. that's still a stretch from the Navajo Nation as well. So yes. that that definitely proves that they can still travel. They just don't travel as far out as well. They can be
2: think. created. You know, like once they're created, they could potentially stick in one area, and they can't leave from there. But then they can potentially be created somewhere else where they weren't known to be until someone came in there and created one.
1: Right. Well,
2: that, that would make more sense to why, you know they're kind of known to be in one certain part of the area because that's where they're created and then hopefully luckily most people aren't stupid enough to go out and create them everywhere
0: well and wouldn't it be someone from a, a heavy native background that can create a skinwalker
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and w- the likelihood of modern day native americans actually creating a skinwalker how how likely is that
1: like none. Nah. Yeah. I honestly, you know,
0: it's not. Because I know, per, I know a few natives that are personally, that definitely just don't even want to carry on their, their family traditions and legacy or anything like that. They, they frankly don't want anything to do with it. And I don't blame them to a certain point, especially what the white people have put them through. At the same time, this seems like this coming generation just doesn't want to keep any kind of tradition going, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The house itself, now, would you say that the same concept of trying to figuring out the land attachment would be the same thing for a house?
1: Definitely. You know, you, you start looking through and do you have items from thrift stores? Do you have antiques? Do you, You've got to figure out what has brought that spirit there, you know, and then you can go from that point and take care of the situation but you have you have to figure out why i mean you can't just go in a place and say oh you have a spirit in here let's just cleanse and everything's going to be great
2: yeah it takes some investigating to see if there's multiple spirits or something that's hiding that wasn't first known exactly because you you start cleansing something and you get rid of the one but you didn't know there was another one and it's different techniques required for the second one then you didn't really do anything
1: Exactly.
0: And then it just it doesn't have to be like an item that they bought from like a secondhand store or a thrift store or a yard sale or anything like that. It could be passed something down. as simple as something that was passed down like David said or whoever was living in that house prior to the current occupants might have done some nefarious things inside that location too, like scrying, playing with Ouija boards, seer boards, stuff like that. We've done a few cases where one of them where scrying went horribly wrong and then there was another location that had a Ouija board and there's been a few others as well. So with, with that being said, is there a different type of energy being emitted when it's something like that versus an object in the house?
1: Yes, usually it's a lot more heavy and negative if it's something scrying gone wrong, Ouija board, because you don't know what you brought and there's no rhyme or reason for it even being in that house in the first place, versus if somebody, you've got an unreal old man because he wanted his coffee cup in the window and you keep putting it on the cupboard, something like that. It's easier to take care of those than it is a Ouija board or a scrying. Well, that's what happened
2: to us. We went back to a a location we've already done, and we go in there the second time or third time. I don't remember which time it was. Second time. And and, uh, we were in the basement, and I'm like, something's different. Something's different than when we were here last. You know, I could just instantly tell something was different. I started pointing out that I think there's a portal now somewhere that wasn't here before. And I come to find out later that the guys upstairs found an Ouija board. I'm like, oh, that confirms it.
1: Yes. That's the problem. You just, with Ouija boards, you just, there's no, you have no idea what you're bringing out. None whatsoever.
0: Which is funny, David, because I was actually going to bring that up but right before you mm-hmm. started talking. I was actually going to bring that particular case up as well. Great
2: minds think alike.
0: I know, right? But yeah, that's pretty cool that you were able to pick up on it. If I remember correctly, I think you said, is there a portal or something? Mm-hmm. And then that's when we found the Ouija board not too long later. And that ended up being the the issue. And then, of course, my squirrel self just decides to open it up and just cause some more
1: problems.
0: (laughs) Hey, at least I didn't open up the last Ouija board I discovered.
1: That that was a good thing.
2: Yes, that was a very good thing. (laughs)
1: Uh, (laughs) And I'm sure
2: probably in this one or the part two version are we going to talk about uh, your cleansing of uh, Ouija board?
0: Yeah. We'll be going over that as well. Because it's actually quite intense, but it's very in-depth as well.
2: And Diana did a really good job on it. I don't think I... We weren't allowed to be there in the room when she did it. No. Right. So, I mean, I don't even know what she did.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely go over that. Malicious, demonic, and non-human entities. How in-depth can a cleansing get?
1: It's really in-depth, because you have to do so many things you wouldn't just do, like simple smudging isn't going to cut it. Salt on the floor isn't going to cut it. You have to take so many things, bring them together, make certain mixes that repel evil and protect and put those things together, and then apply that throughout the entire home, because a demon or or an malicious entity isn't just going to stay in your bedroom. It's not just going to stay on your back porch. You have to literally go through top to bottom and do every single room, every entrance,
2: or everything. Or attics when they or decide to David when, up in there. Yes,
1: when we make David <laughs> jump up in the attic. <laughs> or crawl spaces. Yeah, you have to really... You can't miss anything if you're dealing with a malicious entity because they can hide. And you don't want to just run through and do a click, okay, it's good, and then leave, and then you never touched the crawl space and it was hiding and lurking down there
2: well our our long i think our longest session was three and a half hours yeah three and a half four hours and there's still potential problems Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean yeah there's so much that goes into it and it's tough too because if you investigate the whole night and you're trying to cleanse you know you can be like drained at that point so also the amount of energy in yourself is also a factor
1: right and then if you know if you're spending all day or all evening investigating and you look at the time and you're like oh it's already midnight or whatever now we have to cleanse
2: yeah and you're already like like tired (laughs) so it's like how's that gonna affect you cleansing properly if you're tired
1: right you just have to you know hope for the best do the best you can and usually that's why you have more than one person helping you do that you know, because if I might have missed something, Shane will say, hey, did you do this? Or you'll, David, you'll even mention, do we need to do this door? Or do we need to this? So it's, it's teamwork, you know, well, it it works better. it's something
2: as simple as when we were, you know, did you forget to put this under the bed? And they we are like, oh, no, we haven't done that yet. Well, we should probably hurry and do that then.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. And it also helps if the Homeowners are also participating as well because that's part of them reclaiming their property, reclaiming their space. Right. And so it's definitely a must that they participate in it. And if they're in short terms, lack thereof, have any interest in even doing it, nine times out of ten, the cleansing is not going to work. And it's just going to be a repeat issue over and over again.
2: Which, thinking about that, we should probably have one of us just... Go with them and watch them to make sure that they're doing it right. Because even if they're, you know, gung ho and are wanting to help and are, you know, good at doing it, but say they forget to do something because they're, you know, trying to go through it, and it's not their fault they accidentally missed it. But you know, it didn't work properly because they missed something. So it, I think we should definitely get one, one of us if when they're doing it as well, going with them just to watch them. Yeah.
1: Right. Because I mean, it's it's something that we're used to, but we got. Sometimes I think we forget that they've never done it because we've done it so many times. It's like, oh, go salt the drains, and we assume that they know what we mean, and they're probably like, "What are you talking about?" You know. But at the same time, they have to take part because that's showing that negative energy. These guys are serious, you know. They're taking part to kick me out now. Uh oh. You know, and you have to make sure they're doing it with the right intent, too. If they're just like, oh, I'm just doing this because they told me to, whatever, then it's not, it's like they haven't done it at all.
2: The mindset that it's going to work, they're just thinking, well, I hope this works.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't even think about that, to be quite honest with you. I didn't think that ever crossed my mind, so I'll definitely implement that in the future, because I know I tried to give them the easiest things to do like salt the drains spray salt water around their windows and doors and you know just the easier tedious stuff that as long as they can do that we can focus on the harder things you know what i mean but yeah in the future we could definitely have someone walk around with them make sure that they're doing it correctly now i know last night i had you walk around with diana and kind of see how she does the blessing of the doors and everything what were your thoughts on that david
2: well, I love helping. I love doing the little things. I think they do work, but I don't think I could full-on lead a cleansing because when it came to the part that she was doing, I don't think I have enough confidence in myself to be able to do what she did.
0: Well, and that comes in time. I was in your spot as well, David. I didn't think that the type of blessings that I would do would work, but I trusted myself and I believed in myself to for it to work. And... So far, Diana hasn't said otherwise.
1: Yeah, I was the same way when I first started. I was like, um, are you sure? Um, Like they say, you you have to learn somehow. You've got to, just like a bike, eventually, you know, you've got to take those training wheels off and just go for it at some point. So, and that's why there's always a backup person, you know? Do it. Like the first time Shane did it, I was right behind him, like, okay, this is going to work. And if it would have, I'd have been. Let me follow up behind you and and do some.
0: And I think that would be a good thing to do with David. I think the next cleansing that we take him on, let's have him lead the blessing of the doors, but either have myself or you behind him and walk with him a little bit and just make sure everything goes smoothly because you and I can tell if the blessing doesn't go through correctly. So it can easily be fixed right then and there instead Mm. of leaving and then have to clean up the mess later
1: true hopefully for him it's a place with not very many doors
0: right (laughs) but then you know david does have that height so that way he could just you know lazily just reach his hand up there and just do his thing while both of us are like stretching on our tippy toes trying to reach
2: it that's
1: true that's true
2: it was a struggle watching diana to where she's like i I gotta do it on the side of the wall i can't even reach up there i
1: can't even reach the top of the door It's, it's gonna work (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious.
1: But that's something else, too, though. You do learn how to adapt because I have T-Rex arms. So I can't reach half the stuff. I'm like, eh, no, it's not going to go there.
0: And then sometimes if you just don't have enough area between the ceiling and the coping of the door, just do it on the coping of the door then or on the top of the door, you know. And the there, the there's little always, trim piece yeah. that yeah. The,
2: the doors connect. Yes. To, yeah. yeah, so
0: yes. you, you can always adapt and make it work. But ideally, it's nice to have a little bit of space right above that door, so that way you can just put it right there. But sometimes you just don't have that, and so you just have to change it up a little bit to make it work.
1: Right, and I think the more that you do it, too, like you can feel almost where it needs to go, Mm -hmm. you know? so
0: Yeah, definitely. So that's going to wrap it up for part one of this episode. We are going to be following this up with uh, part two and possibly a part three. There are a couple of things that I wanted to mention real quick before we uh, wrap up this episode. Now, we're getting closer to the spring, summer, and fall months. We're going to try to keep on schedule with our releasing of our podcast and everything, but there may be a time or two where we're going to be missing an episode or might take a, like a week or two off from doing any type of podcasting because we might be busy or anything. So I just want to make you guys aware of that. So that way, if for yeah. some reason... It was
2: easier doing this in the winter because we were already at home and nowhere to go.
0: Yeah, exactly. And once spring hits and things start mm-hmm. picking up again, we might be a little too busy to be able to sit down and do a podcast episode. So if that does happen, we will let you guys know. If that is the case, we will try to stay on schedule. But obviously, if we're going to be helping out clients and doing evidence review and and everything like that, it's going to be hard to balance all of that. Plus, work a nine to five and have a family life as well. So we will definitely try to to make it more consistent once spring, summer and fall hit. But for sure, by the time fall next year, we'll be in full swing. But we just wanted to make sure that you guys are aware of that. But we will be vigilant on making sure that we let you know that we're going to be missing a a week or a Monday or anything like that. But thank you so much for tuning in to us. You guys have a great rest of your Monday and look forward to part two on this particular subject. See you guys later. Bye. You are listening to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast, BRP Podcast. If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already... Please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at Podcast. If you are interested in sponsoring us, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day.